Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. Aaron, let's get a little philosophical here. Why, uh, why do we do what we do? Like when we're writing code, why do we do that? And I know, I know you have opinions on this, so I'm just setting up a question to hear your stream of wisdom coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, at the very core of it, we do this work programming mm -hmm. for the user who's going to consume the work in its final form. So there's a lot of times when you can get confused because you think maybe, I mean, because there's some conflicting goals that we have. Mm -hmm. Getting work done, um, get better quality code, more beautiful ways of doing stuff, learning sure. new things. Yep. There's all these different things we have to balance. But in the end result, we're no different than tech support in a way because we're just we're providing a support for the user, support for the business, all those different things. Mm -hmm. The business has a business way of doing it. Like they figured out how to make money and pay us and do all these things. In order to do that, we have to support them by making the product that they're asking for. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And and as you were saying that, I was even thinking too the the user consuming or using the the thing we built is is maybe not even the person that's paying us to do it or the you're mm -hmm. right like there, there's kind of a level of indirection there. So it's but it's good to have that in mind when when building a product. Yeah. So a lot of the decisions that you make, I think, are more important to focus on the user experience. I'm not just talking about like a nice box here or like pretty colors. I'm just talking a holistic user experience, understanding yeah. what's happening, how that user might react to a success or an error, mm -hmm. um, you know, all these different things and planning on what what would a brand new user or even a power user or like understanding your different types of users, what would they expect out of something like this? And, and sure. knowing that for the most part, they don't have the insight into the internal process. So like you give them an you if you give an error, they're not going to know like what step of the process the error came from unless you yeah. told them. You know, all these different things like that. And so understanding as you go through that process that you have to be a little bit more verbose to people because they're on the outside. And that's really who we're serving when we're building software is these people that can't see our software. So you're saying I should never just like re return a 429 to somebody in the browser and they'd be like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what's happening. Like, I, I thought I was doing good. I know what a 404 is, but like, yeah, so <laughs> that's a good point. Um. I had I had an example in mind. Maybe we could okay. kind of use it to to investigate this a little further. And it does actually have to do with error conditions and status codes and things like that. So, okay. so I'll set it up first uh, without going too deep into the the specific thing we were building. But but let's just say you can apply to a job listing, but a job is going to expire at some point, right? So, what if I've bookmarked that job? I want to come back to it and I want to apply to it tomorrow. And in the meantime, it's expired. So when I when I was working on this uh, feature, at first, like the internal way we built it using Laravel, uh, I think it was in a form request um, method, it, it would return a 403, right? Like, oh no, you can't create a job application against that job because that job is expired. That's like a business rule we enforced. But then I thought about it, it's like 403 really isn't, first of all, user's not going to know what to do with that because there's nothing they can do with that. And mm -hmm. it's just a little jarring. And so, um, well, even as a developer too, if I'm, yeah, if that's an API and I'm interacting with that, I don't understand what that 403 really is. <laughs> right. Cause I'm just like, well, I thought I had access to this job listing. 
Now you're saying I don't have access to the yeah. job listing? I had access to it yesterday. What happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So um, what, what, what would you do in that case? Because I know what I did, and, um, but I'm just, just kind of like thinking it through as a thought experiment. What, what would be a better use case or UX experience for the, the person getting that to deal with? Well, that feels like a trap. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Um, what, Aaron, what I you want do? you to take this thing I thought deeply about for like a whole day, and I want you to solve it on the spot right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what did you do, first of all? Okay. So so what I ended up doing was um, doing a 302, right? So a redirect. And I coupled that with a banner message explaining what had happened. So so th- this wasn't an API, just to be clear, um, in the first iteration of this. It was a um, it w- it was a, a browser driven you know UI, and so it would maybe they were on a list of jobs or they had a bookmark or something, and when they clicked through to it, and if it if it expired in the meantime, it would just bounce them back to the list with a banner saying that job has expired or that job is no longer available. It was something generic, you know, because even it didn't mention expiration because that's again it's a business rule that a user doesn't care about, but just it's it's no longer available. Sorry. Okay, that makes sense. And then um, what about, uh, so you said it wasn't an API. How would you handle some, because t- I can understand that, you know, yeah. just not saying 403 or whatever, but actually handling those those use cases. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think a lot of Laravel developers actually can understand that and they've done that, you know. Um, it, it, we get into more philo- philosophical debates on like where should you put that logic and how should you do that, sure, right, whether yeah. it's part of a form request and then you mm-hmm. redirect with an error or whatever. But um, what about when it's something like I brought up kind of like an API and um, you can't really redirect them to somewhere? Yeah, that that is trickier. Um, and, and and I'll just share before I answer that, give myself time to think. Um, I also considered a 404, right? Because the job isn't there. And maybe maybe in the API scenario, that would be a little more useful because that that's the the client consuming the API knows how to handle a 404. And the way it handles that would probably make sense in this case. But um, yeah, just returning to 403, like a client might bounce them to a login page or, or, you know, show some generic error. I guess it depends on the quality of your API client. Um, But if if we're out of, if it's out of our control, I think I might actually opt for the 404 in an API case. And even for some of those 400 type errors, you can include a body, right? Like you you can include Mm -hmm. more information that hopefully the API client would pass on to the to the user. Yeah, there Laravel has built in things on some of the error generation now mm-hmm. that you can kind of say, like in, in like a middleware or even a form request or something like that, like return this type of response. So you don't have to just say like throw an error. It'll, you can return a, like a 403 response with some content. Yeah. And so, yeah, you kind of went down that whole thing as what I was going to say is uh, I'm a huge proponent of having an error data object in a way as well from right. an API. Mm-hmm. And so when you send these, because we're, we're only talking about status codes, but I'd say sending that error message as well is is probably pretty useful. And and it, I guess one quick tangent, I'm going to go on just a side thing. It's kind of Do really it. kind of not, <laughs> is I, I like to also, because again, we're, we're focusing on the user, mm-hmm. the, probably the human. I like to write messages that make sense to a human or have a lot of context so I I actually disagree with your comment you made earlier that the expiration doesn't matter. It's just not available or whatever. You said that's mm-hmm. an internal business rule. Yeah. I would include that in the message and saying like this job posting has expired. Um, and so it's no longer available because otherwise um, 
I just think it's a little bit more jolting for a user mm -hmm. saying like, why is it just gone? Like, I don't, I don't trust this site. They're always just deleting oh. stuff. Sure. You know, versus saying like, oh, there's, there, I, I guess I didn't know there was an ex expiration. Some of these expire. Maybe you've then encouraged the user to move faster because they know mm -hmm. now that things expire versus, you know, an unsettling thing, which is things just get deleted randomly. I, I was just thinking if only the person who reviewed this code would have suggested that at the time, I wonder who that was. Well, maybe the person who was, re, re, you know, reviewing this code wanted to make sure the project was done on time and so oh. make little concessions. I mean, okay. who, who knows who we're talking about? Yeah, this is hypothetical. <laughs> I know one of the things you really admire about me, Aaron, is my excellent mm -hmm. memory. I, oh, yes. I never, I never forget things. And, um, you tell me something and it's, it's. It's in the steel trap. It's there for good. See, it's a steel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it might surprise you to know that there are certain foods I forget I like <laughs> where um, we'll, we'll be ordering food or trying to agree on something. And I'll be like, I, I don't want that. And then my wife will say, no, you like that. I'm like, I do. And then I get it. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I do like that. So like, like the two examples. Well, you're like that old couple in in like the restaurant where he's like, "What should I get?" And she points at them and get this. Oh, okay, I'll yep. get that. I'm almost I love there. Biscuits and gravy. I do actually. So uh, <laughs> one one of them is pecans. I love all nuts, so why wouldn't I like pecans? But I like I, we'll, we'll go at the store. And I'm like, no, get get cashews or macadamia nuts. And like, you you like pecans, and then I get them. Like I eat the whole can. I do like them. <laughs> and the other the other one is a pizza topping artichoke hearts. I like them, but whenever she suggests, I'm like, I don't want that. But so, Aaron, does that surprise you or do you have any foods that you forget you like? Well, that doesn't surprise me about you, but I'll tell you a thing <laughs> that you may not know about me. OK, and um, I'll forget and, it later. Yeah. And and uh, this is I'm saying it up to the whole world now. So you can. Mm. So this is kind of a this is true, but it's an embarrassing. But I, I also say this because just in case there's anyone else who does this mm. so they can feel not alone. In OK. Way. So. um Many years ago, I had a very similar sort of like process in my brain where I was like, I would buy things and forget I liked them or like I it started out with something I figured, I, I think it was like beef jerky I ended up buying the same beef jerky over and over mm -hmm. that I didn't like. So I would buy it and I would <laughs> oh, like, oh, this like is it. horrible. Yeah, I didn't like it. I'd throw it out. Um, and then like two, three months later, I'd buy it again because mm. it just was like, oh, what, what's that? I'm like, what's wrong with me, man? <laughs> Um, or other things like sometimes, you know, like, I want a special treat, but I like for some reason now I'm hungry. I don't want to go mm. to the grocery store when I'm hungry, but I want to get something special. But I don't remember what I like now because I'm just oh, angry, <laughs> too hungry. <laughs> so I ended up it started really small, but now it's grown huge as I have a list of things I like and things mm. I don't organize into topics what? Um, <laughs> like like household related stuff, um, foods, uh, drinks, because like. I find out I go through a lot of stuff, you know, and so like I have a list of teas mm. I like, brands and types, okay. and teas I don't. Um, same thing with like, um, like I, maybe I'm weird, but I replace my pillows every three years or something. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, I started realizing like, oh, I better keep track of the brands and types of pillow I like. Yeah. So that in three years from now, because some, you know, maybe you couldn't find them on Amazon anymore or whatever. Or yeah. I bought them at Bed Bath and Beyond. And it's the same thing as like, okay, like th there's one that I just, I got made use of the other day, which was canned gravy. Mm. There's a lot of brands of canned gravy. Sure. Most of them are atrocious. There's like <laughs> two or three that are good. Um, and you don't want the crappy canned gravy no. when you want to have some gravy. No. Um, so yeah, I keep, uh, so it's not weird to me that you'd forget these things because <laughs> I guess I must do too. So I keep a okay. list of things I like and things I don't. Um, and I hope no one ever sees it. 
When we're not recording podcasts, we're updating content on MasteringLaravel.io. Head over there and we have a couple of free books that you can download with Laravel tips and tricks that'll make your applications better. It's MasteringLaravel.io. 